0: Hello and Merry Christmas. It is uh, the week before Christmas and the Golf Monthly podcast team are meeting up for our final podcast of the year. Um, My name is Neil Tappin, and I'm joined um, this week by uh, Nick Bonfield. Nick? Hello, Neil. Merry Christmas, Nick. And to you, Neil. We've got our office party tomorrow, so uh, it's an event that uh, is is sort of quite well-renowned in our office as being quite a large one. Nick, uh, how do you intend to celebrate the end of the year tomorrow
1: night? Oof, what a question that is. Uh, I think we'll play it by ear um, and drink lots of wine and see what happens. <laughs> fair play, fair play. And Tom Clark, Tom, how are you? I'm
0: very well, yourself? Uh, you're, you already look, look a little bit jaded by the Christmas festi- festivities.
2: It's been a hard week, shall we say. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, it's been a hard week for all of us. Um, but we're going to lighten the mood by talking a bit about some of the... Uh, ...highlights of 2015. But before we get on to that, there are a couple of stories that have made the news this week that are certainly worth us talking about. Um, The first of which, and the most important, I think of which, is the announcement that the Ryder Cup in 2022 will be going to Rome. The European Tour released this detail on, I think it was on Monday of this week... Um, just before their, their big um, end-of-season lunch that they have um, when they announce the, the Player of the Year. And it who, ca- who
2: went to that lunch? Oh. Do you know anyone who went there,
0: Neil? Well, funnily enough, it, it, I was the one lucky enough to go, and it was very good. It, it was an excellent lunch, and I had the chance uh, to catch up with some of the people at the European Tour and talk a little bit about the decision. Um, I think in some quarters, it was a well, in most quarters, it was a bit of a surprise. People not necessarily thinking it would go to, to Italy, go to Rome. Uh, Nick, what were your thoughts when you heard the news?
1: Yeah, I think I was, I was surprised when I heard the news. I think it's only the third or fourth time that the Ryder Cup's been held in continental Europe. Third time. Third time, there you go. Uh, a little bit surprising, but we do need to boost participation in those areas. There's some good Italian golfers coming through, Paratore, Manasero, the Molinari's, admittedly... Grillo. Uh, uh, he's Argentinian. <laughs> <laughs> That was, a good, that was a That was that was a
0: test there, Nick. And you passed. Well very done. Very Congratulations. So it does
1: make sense on a number of levels. Um, <laughs> and I suppose with it going to France in 2018, it's natural extension that it would stay somewhere in that region. And it makes sense. I mean, why should it be com- confined to the British Isles and Ireland?
0: Yeah, and Tom, um, going from um, having had the Ryder Cup last uh, last time there was in in Europe in um, in Scotland and now Paris and then Rome, it's a yeah, it's, It does, I suspect, lend itself to having that big tournament feel taking it to these major cities.
2: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair point. I mean, Glen Eagles was a spectacular golf course, but obviously it's not n- near a, a big big you know, hub of people, whereas obviously Paris and Rome will have the you know, huge a chance for huge audiences to go there. I mean, I've lucky enough to have been to Rome in the past and it's an amazing city, beautiful city, um, and the people are very passionate out there. So you'd hope that... Well, with the fingers crossed, if you get one or well, at least one or two Italians in the team, if they play well enough, of course, then um,
1: you know, they could have a really good atmosphere there, I think. It's, yeah, it's such an enormous event nowadays that logistics are almost oh, they're, as important as anything else. I would think they probably are the most yeah. important
0: thing. Yeah, To c- create
1: the atmosphere, Absolutely. you've got to have good logistics, yeah, haven't you? Good transport links, because the entourage is so huge nowadays, and there's got to be space for the grandstands, there's got to be good transport links, and everything like that. So it makes sense on that level as well.
0: And I think the Marco Simone course, uh, I would be honest and say I don't know a huge amount, but I have heard that it's a. They are going to be doing some quite serious work to it, and it's a bit of a blank canvas at the moment. The idea being just to turn it into a classic uh, Ryder Cup wrist reward golf course. Um, so something that none of us would be terribly surprised about seeing.
2: Yeah, I think, and I think that's the biggest shock. Um, when you think about Ryder Cup courses, you think, oh, like right, they're going to, you know, maybe think about the course first, but actually that's probably the last thing on their mind. I think the first thing in their mind is how do we get as many people there as possible to make it look as fun as possible. By the sounds of it, they're going to dig up the whole place and start again, which could be good, I suppose, but, but we at the moment we just don't know what it's going to look like.
0: Yes, yeah, so watch this space. That um, no, more news to follow. Keep your eyes peeled on the Golf Monthly, uh, various different um, social channels, and our website for more details on that. Um, and before we get into our review of twenty fifteen, um, the other uh, story that's been in the news this week has been about Turnberry, and obviously uh, Turnberry is now owned by Donald Trump. is now actually called Trump Turnberry, if you hadn't noticed. And uh, obviously, he's made some comments that have been. Fairly, I would say, ill-advised over the last... Um, Dipl-
2: diplomatically put there, Neil. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean, uh, unlike Donald himself, who wasn't terribly <laughs> diplomatic, I would say. And it looks as if, there, certainly stories story has been floating around, that Turnberry um, might come off the open rotor. Um, Nick, I, I think we can all understand why, and, and it's not really our place to discuss the, the whys and wherefores of the political elements around it. Um Just a quick word on on what a loss it would be for Turnberry not to be on the Open Rotor.
1: Yeah, a huge, and listen, we can all understand why these stories are coming out, you don't necessarily want someone with those ideals being linked with the sport, but having spoken to the architect um, and having looked at at the designs for the new course, it is turning a spectacular layout into one that's even more stirring if that's possible, so it would be a huge loss. Uh, Arguably the most scenic, um, exciting venue on the Open Rotor disappearing would be be actually a, a terrible loss for the year's third major. I would I'd, I'd also
2: very much agree with that. I was, 2009 was the last time that the Open was at Turnberry. It was the first time that I went to the Open. and Turnberry is a magical place if anyone's been there. It's not near any big towns or anything like that. it's, If anything, it's a bit of a struggle to get there to and from every day, but it is an incredible place. Of course, we had almost the best story ever in sport uh, with Tom Watson nearly winning. and. It seems to. It seems that either really good players, when they're, or there's always a good open there. So, for golf, I think it would be a huge loss, um, and I'm hoping that they actually manage to, to get around it, and and it does stay on there. But we'll wait and see. I think. Indeed, so, you know, sometimes there
0: are things in the world that are more important than golf, and I think even those of us sat in this particular room can see that so we will wait to see what happens on that front okay so now into our review of what happened in 2015 and our first um port of call is to nominate a player of the year now it doesn't take a genius I think we'd all nominate Jordan Spieth is everyone okay with that what yeah of course uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so uh he has had a phenomenal year a very quick word from both of you on what he's achieved let's not waste too much time talking about it because Everything has been said before, but a quick word from both of you on what he's been able to do.
1: I think what's remarkable about him is that there's nothing remarkable about his T to green game. Uh, Really, when you look at the statistics, 78th in driving distance, 80th in driving accuracy. I think he's around the 50 mark in greens. Nick's great
0: fun at the Christmas party (laughs) as you can tell.
1: (laughs) But I just just want to draw your attention to the following stats. Putting average, one putt percentage and putts per round. He ranks first on the PGA Tour in 2015 and he holds 26% of putts from 20 to 25 feet. Speaks to itself really doesn't it? Is that good Nick? Uh, Just a bit yeah. Yeah good, I thought so.
2: Um, Tom? I'm I'm not going to say any stats uh, which you'll probably be happy about. Just to say that from the very start of the year, when he, he won, say, won in Australia, I know that was actually in 2014, I think. Right through the whole year, he has owned it. He's just played so well in every single tournament. He's competed. He made, you know, It's not always the most spectacular thing, but his timing is just incredible. And it, It's been great to have someone come through the ranks and actually play so well. It's been great to have an American there, although I know I had to say that through gritted teeth. But it's about time. I think it's excited so many of the American supporters, and I think it's just been good for the game of golf, really. It's been phenomenal, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, and and we've discussed this on previous podcasts, but his ability to produce that magical shot at the most important and crucial moment in tournaments is really what separates the great champions from everyone else, and that's what Spieth has, and that's an ability he
0: has. Do you know what, Nick? I, I think what separates him from other top players is his ability to contend when not playing particularly well. So it doesn't matter where it is in the world, whether it's in China, whether it's in the UK, whether it's over in the US, he seems to be able to turn up and finish in the top two or three, four or five every single week. And that is the hallmark of somebody who's going to have a very, very long career at the top, I would say.
1: That's largely due to his temperament, uh, but also due to his immense putting prowess. But something else that often gets overlooked is the support network that Speed has got. A great family who are very supportive of him and an excellent caddy who's almost part psychologist and, and a really close friend to Jordan. And that's, I mean, they're essential parts of his entourage and those are both factors to explain why he's done so well.
0: Indeed. Indeed. OK, well, let's move on now to our our second point, And that's our nominations for the best shot of the year. Um I'm going to go first, actually. <laughs> I'm going to jump in there again so that none of you can steal my my one. And that's going to be Jordan Spieth again. And the putt that he hold on the 16th at Chambers Bay in the final round when it was probably the most exciting of the four majors, I would say. Certainly, the Open was pretty exciting, but I think the US, uh, US Open pip, uh, pipped it. And it was... A lot of top players going sort of hell for leather towards the end, and he just, on greens that were far from ideal, and all the players, well, not all the players, quite a lot of the players were complaining about how poor they were, and they they looked poor on TV, let's be honest. They didn't look great. He was the one who was holding putts, and he just hold this bit of a monster. It was probably a 35-footer 30, on 16. Um, Razor-sharp greens just when he needed it. Um, obviously went on double-bogey, 17, which didn't help him, but... It was just the. It was like a big statement of, okay, I might only I might only have one major in the locker, but I'm the best player in the world, and it it was kind of like a, a flag in the ground moment where he sort of said to the world, I'm very very good and I'm here to stay, and the rest of you are going to have to try and beat me, and it was it was phenomenal to watch, frankly.
1: Yeah, and it was different with Masters triumph, wasn't it? Because at Augusta, he wasn't really, as much as we all like Justin Rose, he wasn't really challenged in that fight. Oh, well you mm-hmm. love Justin yeah, Rose. I, I, I like Justin Rose, Very but you, you, you've got a bit of a <laughs> crush on quite, Justin. <laughs> he didn't quite get close enough uh, to really pose any threat to Speak, purely because Speak's brilliance as well, it must be said. But here, this was a real landmark moment, as you say, you know, needing to make a big play for a second major in a row, and he holds that slip downhill left to righter. Yeah. And that was effectively the, the death Now, at the time. That's how it appeared to everyone else and his competitors. Admittedly, he did double 17, as you say. And Dustin and also did three
2: putt for about four foot
1: on the 18th. But look, look, the look at the 18th from a speed perspective as well. He had two great shots onto the green and two putted for a very good birdie on, on a tough hole with a very, very tough drive. So credit to him for that as well. Um, OK, Tom. What's yes. Your nomination hello. For yes.
2: Shot? So, shot of the year. My shot, uh, my favourite shot of the year, and the most memorable one for me was Ricky Fowler winning the playoff at uh, TPC Sawgrass on the seventeenth hole, in front of what looked like about thirty thousand people, and uh, it was an incredible shot. I think he birded it. Did he bird it three times? He three times. Three times in a day, which is yeah. quite ridiculous. And he hit it to about eight feet. Or yeah. It was Yeah. Day. So, is about there's about eight foot gap between the the pin and the water, uh, as he was looking at it uh, on the on the right hand side, and he just put it in there every time. And the the, the shot on the playoff hole was just quite remarkable because you're over club it slightly, you're in the water; you're under club it slightly, you're in the water. He just went, he just went for it, and he's someone that I know hasn't quite managed to step up to the major uh, role yet, but to do that uh, at that, that golf course, which I know is known as the fifth maiden. You do think maybe he could do a push for it he, next season? He's probably yeah. the one that we
0: haven't spoken enough about, really, isn't he, Ricky Fowler? You'd say that he's on the cusp. We, we, in fact, we're in the process of putting together an issue for the magazine uh, in which we're looking at, we've got a, a big section looking at Day, Speeth and McElroy. And um, I don't think Fowler's there yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was the one to break into that group next year.
1: Yeah, and players in Scottish Open are t- two big events and it was also the nature of his victory there because I think he eagled the eagle 16 yeah 30, he went crazy at 30, the end 18, didn't he, 18, he went, yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah it was it was remarkable. An and when wasn't? he is in the zone he is extraordinarily good mm-hmm. I mean, and, and long as well I mean looking back that drive he hit down 18 both in the playoff and in regulation he hit about 350 yards down there on 18 dead centre of the fairway and had a wedge into the career. yeah yeah. And he's so aggressive which is what everyone likes and when he gets on the roll he's a guy that can really make things happen and that is very dangerous in major championships particularly somewhere like Augusta where you're going to need to go out and make a host of burlies to challenge
0: uh, um, Ok Nick so what's your, your nomination for the shot of the year?
1: I'm going to go with uh, one that might potentially have been lost because it happened very early in the season it's Andy Sullivan at the South African Open, where he found trees with his drive in a playoff at the first playoff hole against Charles Schwartzl, somehow managed to hit a shot to 12 feet and then hopped the putt to beat Schwartzl on his home turf to land his first European Tour title. It was a tremendous occasion. And probably
0: a, actually a moment that had transformed his career, if not his life, actually. You know, you talk about the importance of getting over the line the very first time. It might not have been the strongest field of the year, but. You, you, as you say, he's playing in a playoff against Charles Walsall around his home track, or his home turf at least. It doesn't get much tougher than that.
1: And, and the confidence spills over and he wins a couple of weeks later. Then he wins in Portugal, Then he ends the season with three victories and unlucky not to get a fourth. Yeah,
2: And it, it was, of all the shots, I mean, that was a, a remarkably good shot. Um, when we talk about a speed's putt, speed's putt was just a putt. When we talk about Fowler's iron shot, it was just a regulation iron shot, no under, incredible. Incredible pressure, but Sullivan was in a lot of trouble there. And to recover so well, is uh, people love those kind of
1: shots, don't they? They're sort of
2: seve esque, almost aren't they? Getting out of the impossible situation, so
1: in a horrific position, in a do or die situation, and then he goes on to hold the part as well. That's a mark of a good champion, there.
0: It certainly is. It certainly is. And, um, talking of good champions, our next. Um, topic is Breakthrough Player of the Year. So this doesn't necessarily need to be somebody who's won, but somebody who is certainly going. to, We think is going to become a, a big champion and a player who has emerged from the sort of ranks to be noteworthy come December 2015. So, um, chaps, who have you
2: got? I'm jumping in quickly. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick for me. Uh, he everyone knew he was. He was a good player as an amateur. But he has had such a good end of the season. Uh, obviously won brilliantly at Woburn. Um I said it before on the podcast, he could be someone who is at the top of the game for the next twenty maybe plus years. Um he's got seems to have all the attributes. He's only gonna get bigger and stronger and better to hit the ball a little bit further. So I think he's just someone who's just gonna be there um every, you know, every every season from now on really. Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed, but I think we'd all hope so. Nick, for you?
2: Oh, I'm going to go with the guy who I talk about all the
1: time uh, Thomas Peters
0: <laughs> Yes, you're, alongside Justin uh, Rose your favourite tour so player as far as I, I can tell I just look at
1: him and I just see a, a tremendous talent there and he won twice this season hits it miles good attitude uh, as I've said before there's a feature of Thomas <laughs> Peters going in the next issue just look at uh, the previous podcasts as well or listen to them in to, to tread the fine line between self-confidence and arrogance and he's actually very popular on tour I'm led to believe and, and he really does have that inherent self-belief so so look out for him to, to really surge up the rankings next year uh, from an American perspective I think Kevin Kisner who seemingly came from nowhere to record Kevin Costner a... Ke- <laughs> no Kevin, Kevin Kis- Kisner Kevin Kisner I'm sorry I'm... Kevin Kisner no it's not a joke it's actually his name uh, he came from seemingly nowhere to record something like five second place finishes including at the players he was in that playoff and then he won the RSM Classic a couple of months ago and he's He's a man I look at and he's, he's got no weakness and he's aggressive and he makes a lot of birdies and he's got a great golf swing, so look out for him as well. I think he's made it into the world's top 25 already. So snuck under the radar there. so yeah, Could be a potential Ryder Cupper then next potential year. Potential Ryder Cupper and someone who I have a sneaky feeling may challenge in one of the majors next year.
0: Oh, You he heard it here first. Okay, so I, I will nominate Paul Dunn actually because um, Paul Dunn became... Uh, I've just written a feature for him in the magazine, so that's, that's why he's at the t- in the top of my uh, thought process, but he... He was a, an amateur working his way through the ranks very, very nicely, but when he arrived at the Open Championship, nobody was expecting him to do, uh, obviously to do anything in particular, and he ended up leading the tournament going into the final round, which is the first time anyone has done that since uh, the mid-20s, or 1920s, so it's a, a, that was an extraordinary achievement. He, he then went on to play a crucial role in the Walker Cup, and now he's got his European tour card through Q School, and will have... Uh, a host of starts I mean not the best it's not the best guy since tied 13 so it's not going to get him in everywhere next year but it's certainly going to provide a platform and I think the, the thing that struck me when I, I spoke to him was the experience of that final round of the open he talked about how he got away from the, all of the sort of mental processes he'd been using at the start of the week and was focusing on trying to win and he he, he effectively I think he he panicked every time he didn't hit a perfect shot because he thought his chance was gone um, the, uh, and th- these are experiences that form players, aren't they? And I think he will look back on this in many years to come, or that experience, and it could well be the making of him as a player because take someone like Luke Donald, his career has been absolutely glittering. He's been world number one for a very long time, but how many times has he come that close to winning a major? Not many. Paul Dunn is 23 years old now, uh, only has a handful of starts on tour, and yet he already has that experience of going... Starting the final round of a major with the lead um, so watch this space on Paul Dunn
1: yeah I think crucially it's so important for him to have got his card that saying you know to, to really keep that momentum going because we see it with a lot of guys who come out have a good performance they miss their card uh, yeah but the, isn't that, that the difference amazing?
0: between the players that end up going on to that's the difference isn't it that when the pressure really is on and when everything's yeah. on the line they are the ones who get it's their tour cards you know you time. take your Sergio Garcias your Ori Macroys, your Matt Fitzpatrick's they have done it at the first attempt because they have that kind of big game attitude that, that, and that bit of X factor that enables them to get across the line
1: yeah absolutely and it say he hadn't got his card it could, he could quite feasibly be scraping around on the mini tours for another couple of years because we all know how difficult it is to force your way through. Absolutely. So the fact that he's done it the first time of asking in the same year that he led the Open Championship after 54 50 holes uh, is a great achievement and yeah, he looks poised to, to do good things in the game.
0: Indeed it was. OK, so that moves us on to our comeback player of the year. Uh, so somebody who maybe had drifted from the limelight um, and is now, has had a good, a good year. Um, Nick, who would you nominate for that one?
1: i going to go with a close personal friend of mine, Victor Dubuysson. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> the, 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 the list of players that you have fallen in love with has grown. It's yeah. <laughs> now we'll add Victor to that list, shall we? Just
1: such an enigma and actually a very, very nice guy. And, and he, he won in Turkey in 2013, Starred at the Ryder Cup and then did absolutely nothing until Turkey. Uh, and just to see him surge through the field on that final day and, and see his... Outpouring of emotion on the final green when he got the job done was really heartwarming. Did did you have a tear in your eye as well? I certainly did. (laughs) I thought thought it was mine. Did you? No. Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) But
2: but, I mean, can it really be uh,
0: labelled as a comeback when you've only really been away for eight or nine months?
1: He'd been away for a year, I'd say, maybe even 13 months, and not just slightly off the pace. He was in a world of pain, really starting to question everything, uh, according to his post-round interview. So that, again, shows good tenacity and mental strength to come back from that. And he's so good, as he, as he proved it at the Ryder Cup. I mean, he's got all the shots, and, and he's that kind of character that the game needs. You know, He is, indeed. an sort of introvert guy, but very talented, but also very pleasant. He has an interesting backstory. Uh, the more of these players we can get, the better. So, well done, Victor.
2: OK. I, yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'm just going to quickly say something, Victor. When people who don't watch a lot of golf usually watch the Ryder Cup, and I think he was the one that really caught everyone's imagination... Uh, the last World Cup because he probably wasn't that well known by the general public. So I think it's a good thing that he's on the way back.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. Just just quickly on that, um, he said that when he was in the final of the, the match play in 2014, uh, loads of people came up to him and didn't know who he was in America. Loads of people didn't know who he was, and he would won in Turkey in the final series the year before. So maybe that shows how self-involved the Americans can be sometimes, purely focusing on the PJ tour. Um, maybe it just shows that actually he. he Still wasn't very well known at all, and well done, Victor. Now he's on everyone's radar. He is indeed. He's back, and that's good to see. Tom, who do you? Um,
2: so someone who's I think been away from the top of the game for a little bit longer was Son Kelson. Um, he suddenly was suddenly competing every single week. It seemed at the start of the season from nowhere, and it was great to see. And I, I think everyone thought he was um, going to be a bit of a flash in the pan when he, he he won again. But he was very consistent throughout. Finished pretty high up in the race at Dubai. And you never know... On him. the Irish Open. Yeah, on the Irish Open. So
0: which Rory and uh, Ricky Fowler both played. I know, exactly. You know, these,
2: a no, really proper tournament, pro- you know, really big crowds and stuff like that watching it. So it was great to see him come back to, to you know... So he, he always used to be at the top of the game. People used to, to, to see him and, and know who he was. So it's great to see some of these guys who have a couple of bad years suddenly come back... Um, and you know, remind everybody that you know there is some hope out there. And he, he's now in his forties,
0: isn't he? And what's mm. his I guess his big strength is his razor sharp short game, which, if it's on, he yeah. should be. Able I to mean,
2: let's face it, he doesn't hit the ball a huge distance at all, and that's probably something maybe he, he lost his way a bit with. I don't know whether he's trying to find some extra distance or, or whatever, but. Um, yeah, he he's saying when when it needed it, you know, round the greens. You already mentioned about Jordan Spieth's i stuff like He's superb round the greens. So, um, you know, f- fingers crossed he he puts another challenge in this year. And he could even be an outside bet for
1: the Ryder Cup. You never know if he has a really good year. I think what's interesting to note here is that he, if he was playing in America, he may have actually struggled to get back on that podium because the courses are so long, so consistently. Whereas on the European Tour, you have that variation. You have a lot of shorter, tighter courses, and I think that's partly a factor why he's been able to get back in the winner's circle again. You have to show that imagination. You have to be um, strategic.
0: No, and it's great to see somebody up there. It does prove that as far as golf is concerned, there's more um, than one way to skin a cat and that he has this ability to win tournaments um, up against players who you think there's no way he can compete. He's hitting hybrids into holes that Rory's hitting wedges and, and, and short irons into. But as I say, he has a razor sharp short game.
1: And let's not forget, this is a guy who won
0: the Volvo Masters. Yeah, Valderrama, yeah.
1: Valderrama, the end of, formerly the end-of-season event, so a lot of pedigree there.
0: Indeed, indeed. Uh, I would nominate for this one Zach Johnson, which I appreciate. He has, wouldn't say he's been completely away from the top level of the game. He's He's hung around for the last few years, but he hasn't really done anything in the biggest stages since, I guess, since he won his... His master, he, he played Ryder Cups, and he has won decent tournaments. But he hadn't won any WGCs. He hadn't obviously he hadn't um, won any majors. And I must admit. I felt as if he possibly was part of a generation of golfers or a, a type of golfers that were being left behind as the likes of Rory um, and Jason Day were coming through, who just weren't able to hit it far enough and able to compete. Yeah, especially in America. But to see him win the Open, and the way in which he won that was absolutely phenomenal, wasn't it? I mean, he just kept holding putt after putt in that final round. And it was everyone was throwing the kitchen sink at it, and it took someone with real guts to come through, and I thought it was one of the most impressive performances of the year.
2: Uh, it, it was impressive comeback player of the year. I'm not sure I quite agree with that, to be honest with you. Because although he hasn't been, he's only won two majors. Oh no, only won two majors, and seems to win every year on tour and has been in every Ryder Cup team for the last <laughs> decade. So he's not exactly been away, has he? But you know,
1: you get. I want point. to know
2: what the definition of comeback player of the year. Okay. Is, yeah
1: fair point but it's a shot that we overlook as well as uh, the putting hold on the 72nd 33rd yeah, down the hill yeah. to get in, and to get in knowing,
0: knowing that he was probably going to need to make that to get himself into a, into a playoff
1: and he's got such so a strong guards. character the amount of players jostling for position on that final day at St Andrews some of the biggest names in golf and who would have expected Zach Johnson to, to come out of the crowd well actually quite a lot of people because he does have that tenacity and, and that ability to turn it on when the pressure's on, yeah. which is a, the most important attribute in golf, I OK, so,
0: so if it wasn't comeback player of the year, maybe surprising come-through-the-field player of the year. <laughs> yeah,
1: great, great award, yeah.
0: <laughs> Not the one that anyone's been wanting to, to win. Um, to, OK. To, to,
1: a couple of quick mentions for a couple of others. Um, Podrick Carrington, that was great. I oh, yeah. At, at the I, I can, yeah. On that Monday, sat in the office working... And keeping an eye on the television screen. <laughs> I hope so. Um, and we were all so happy for Padraig when he got over the line. And Alex Norren. I think he was surprised, he as, was surprised as much anyway, as we were. He hasn't done anything. Yeah. But still, it was a very heartwarming moment. And it's good to see Alex Norren back in the winner's circle as well, because he's been struggling with a wrist injury, which for a golfer is obviously one of the worst injuries you can incur. So so good, good for him, especially to, to win on home soil as well.
0: Um, OK, so on to our final point uh, to cover, which is the tournament of the year. Uh, and I'm going to go first again. I thought Chambers Bay, slightly controversial, obviously, but I thought that it was the most exciting tournament of the year. And ultimately, really, that's the only thing that matters, isn't it? Great winner, very exciting tournament. You can say what you like about the greens and the setup of the golf course. I think the golf course itself wasn't really being criticised. It it, it was in terms of the the fans making it hard for the fans to get around the golf course. But in terms of um, its... it, the testing nature of a US Open, it wasn't really being criticised for that. The Greens were, they did look at completely out of control, I would say that. But I think they added something to the tournament. I don't, I don't want, and as much as the next man for golf to turn into this sort of slightly Mickey Mouse thing where you have golf courses set up to trick people and um, catch people out. But at the same time, this did provide something different to your average tour event. And for me, it was the most exciting tournament of the year.
1: Yeah, it was exciting. It was quirky. Um, as you say, it was a pretty traditional U.S. Open layout, aside from the backdrop and the greens. Um, I mean, I remember in commentary, I think you and Murray saying, "Oh, that's just ridiculous that he's landed his ball there and it's come off the green." Well, no, I would argue that he should have done his course bunny, You should know that there's a slope on that green. Um, I think,
0: but people, I think it was the, the point being that there were such fine margins, wasn't it? It was literally it had like a few centimeters to land your ball in; otherwise, it was going to go in the bunker or well, there it was, was going th- to go into
1: a 30 feet beyond the flag. I think people jumped on the. the Criticising Van bandwagon a little bit too easily because of the greens and actually it was a great venue, it was a quirky venue and it produced uh, arguably as good a leaderboard as, as any of the majors which is what it's all about at the end of the day, the cream rising to the top and they did it at Chambers Bay.
2: It, it was a really exciting tournament um, for several reasons, Dustin Johnson, well, I've already mentioned his, his capitulation again unfortunately, I don't know why I can't do it, but Brandon Grace doing so well, yeah. so um, there was lots of people in contention up there, the course Let's face it; it wasn't the best. There was lots of problems with it, but actually, it was a, it made it just such a good level playing field that it just the, the drama was all the way to the seventy-second hole. So, and yet Louis, I think
1: burning six of his last seven holes. And McElroy went on a big Matthew charge, didn't he? I, one I one always.
0: Would say that a good test as to whether one of the U.S. majors has been exciting is whether I fall asleep during the yeah. final round. And on that particular occasion, I didn't. So that's quite a unusual. I and 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 finished about three in the morning. I well, <laughs> Finished going so late as well.
2: <laughs> I also like always like a golf course which has a train track next to it. <laughs>
1: I think we, we all do. Train track and one tree. That's what I look like yeah, for. Exactly. I
0: mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's I think I think I'm right in saying that I've nominated the winner of that particular award. But you two might as well have a go.
1: Uh, yeah, of course, with many parallels, is Whistling Straits, and I've always loved Whistling Straits. Um, but to go away from the majors, the players had everything. It had the subplot of Fowler being the most overrated player on tour, had Garcia in a playoff in, in a tournament that he'd won a few years previously, had young, exciting players like Kevin Kisner vying for the title, and what a great golf course that is. If you look at the 18th hole, the 17th hole, and then the Par 5 16th, which presents eagle opportunities. It's just such a great closing three holes to a wonderful golf course. And it's got that stadium feel. It's been purposely built to house those spectators and provide good vantage points. It's just a great event with a great field.
2: I'd, I'd agree And anyone who's obviously played Tiger Woods or whatever it's called now. Roy McIlroy. yeah, Roy <laughs> <McElroy>, Golf. Yep. <laughs>
1: on the Xbox or
2: on yeah, the, on the or PlayStation. PlayStation. That's the course you always... Well, Augusta's not on is it. Oh, where should we play? Sawgrass. So um, no, it's always great fun. I think that's one of the reasons why people love it so much. But my nomination for a tournament of the year is actually going to go slightly different. Um, and the, although it was an exciting um, finish, was the, the British Masters at Woburn? Woburn looked spectacular, even though it was in October. Is that right? Um, And it was great to just have a tournament in England at a course that everyone kind of knows about but doesn't really know about. Had a good field. Uh, And also for the future, um, where they're going to go around. I think it's brilliant that they've got a player looking after it each year. So next year, Luke Donald's looking after it at the Grove. Um, I was actually played the Grove the other week. How'd you get on? Really well, yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But the Grove was actually spectacular condition already and they're saying how much... um, how many many people are coming up and ringing up and seeing if they can get on there because of the the announcement already. So Justin Rose will be hosting the year after, I believe. Yes,
1: I don't know where that's... No, it hasn't been announced yet. There's been a few different... I don't know what the order is. It might be Lee then, Justin. Oh,
2: is it? Okay, fine. But I think it's a really good idea. It's a great idea. To move it around... England have, have a player, you know, personality looking after it, come and showcase these, all these different courses. So a little bit different to Sorghast, you know, the Augusta, you know, being played at the same course every time. Go out and use these great English courses. The crowds were amazing there. They were, yeah. And also, an Englishman won it, so that did help as well. And so. all the
1: home players bought into it, because <clears> it wasn't just the action on the course. Away from the course, there was clinics. Uh, Nick Dirty doing these clinics. He's proved himself in recent times to be yeah. actually very, very good uh, on the other side of the TV. Um, people like Westwood and Donald doing clinics. Yeah. Players, uh, I think those guys nominated their favourite pin positions on one hole, and just had a lot going on mm. from every perspective. And it was a actually you just it. reminded
2: me the best thing actually about it was that they actually had Nick Mike Tuck right, yeah, going around course. the course. Things that something they, they do it in cricket now on uh, Twenty Twenty. It just means that the crowd can get so much yeah, more involved. So much involved. more from it. And
0: I think golf has always had it. A has a perception. And I think there's a bit of reality behind the idea that golf is. a a little bit precious that the rules are so sacred in golf that no one ever steps anywhere near the line and actually to have a tournament where they did do some different things with the broadcasting and they had a bit of a um, a shake-up of how they were going to do it it really added something to it and uh, all of us enjoyed that and it what a great winner as well, They they couldn't have had a better winner, I don't think. I mean, apart from Poulter himself, maybe. Yeah, no, exactly.
2: But, but I mean, Poulter did. So, I think he did so much work that week. He was never going to win it. He was going to really struggle. <laughs> I mean, he he did alright. right. I think he finished top twenty, maybe. Yeah, he yeah. had a he had a, few yeah, a couple sharp, of but, terrible shakes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, a couple <laughs> of shanks. <laughs> hats off to him. he yeah. threw his heart and soul into that. Yeah, and, that, and that's all you really. Wa- that's all you really want the players to do. And um, it's no, it's going to help the game a huge amount of going into the future. I'm he sure. said he was so nervous on the first tee. He was more nervous than he would be at the Ryder Cup. Well, there you have it. Um,
0: I think that's a a good point to finish on. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. And um, we wish you all a very Merry Christmas and we look forward to um, welcoming you back into the clubhouse next year.